Welcome to the A-Fire Podcast. The future just happened. Who would have thought in January of 2020 that by mid-May, the world would be working from home, connecting to each other through web calls and watching our communities, cultures, and economies transform as the COVID-19 pandemic disrupts every part of all our lives around the world. It's, it's dawning on all of us that when this crisis is over, so many parts of our lives and our work will change permanently. Just as we had to adapt to social distancing at home, we will have to adapt to changed norms when we return to the office, to school, or even to the grocery store. And at AFIRE, our members are thinking through the implications of these global shifts that are happening right now and will continue to happen for the next two years, all to figure out how we can adapt our built environment and our business processes. That's why I asked AFIRE member Byron Carlock to join me in a podcast discussion. He is the real estate practice leader for PwC, where he focuses on matters ranging from strategic planning and property transactions to capital formation and business plan execution. He has a far-ranging intellect and point of view on all aspects of our business. He is a natural futurist that everyone should pay close attention to. So thank you so much, Byron, for joining me on the line today. My pleasure, Gunnar. How are you today? Uh, doing all right. Uh, it's been a bit of a struggle, I think, for everyone uh, to figure out how to manage a fast-changing environment. It's one of the big reasons why I wanted to make sure you and I had a chance to talk, because you've been engaged in that quite a bit at PwC in terms of figuring out uh, what is the new normal and how do we work through it. So maybe you could share some of your thoughts around how we're shifting. We're now in early May or shifting from the immediate part of the crisis into something that is a little bit more challenging and certainly a new change in terms of how we selectively and carefully reopen our economy. Sure. Well, thanks, Gunnar. I think I think one of the things to put into context is this crisis has accelerated some trends that had already actually begun. Uh, we've seen the rise of e-commerce accelerate. We've seen the decline of how we shop um, accelerate. Ex- accelerate. We've seen the way we allow work from home uh, obviously accelerate, and it's working for many people, which is a, a new reality. At PwC, we began allowing work from home four or five years ago and also began changing the way we used our office space as more collaborative brainstorming meeting space. And I think we're going to see an acceleration of that. So if we talk about things we have learned from this, uh, it's, it's several. Number one, we might want to rethink our urbanism. We may want to rethink our density in the office space. We're certainly going to rethink how we use office space. This week's CFO survey said that 69% of all CFOs expect to use less real estate going forward. However, as some of our folks have learned, when you go into your space to apply social distancing, some companies may actually need more space. So, you know, it's too early to, to call death to the office. Um, four years ago, we said suburban offices were on a deep decline. 
Now we may see people choose more bucolic settings in suburban areas for their office campuses in order to accomplish gatherings of their associates and maintain social distancing. We may see a rebirth of exurban environments, even rural environments, as people are allowed to work from home to um, be able to afford housing, which is much cheaper, obviously, in exurban and rural environments. And so I think we're learning a lot about our own resilience, our own business continuity capabilities, our own preferences, um, the way we relate to our associates. Uh, our chief people officer recently, Gunnar, said that you know we're now in week eight of this. At some point, we get a little bit tired of the isolation and are craving you know, some social interaction with our teams. I think we're beginning to feel that. And I think just as we began to see pressure to reopen in certain states, there's going to be pressure for gathering for people to get to reacquaint with associates that they enjoy, respect, and need to relate to in order to do their jobs. So this, this lesson is not over. We're still learning an awful lot, but we're also trying to adapt. I think of it in the terms of a triangle. You've got your people strategy and everyone wants their people to be safe your technology strategy, and we're seeing how that's worked and where the deficiencies are. And then there's your real estate and operating work environment strategy. So you think of it as a triangle inside a circle of your business context and operating strategy. And you realize those three legs have to work together for the benefit of this recovery. And as a practice, we're spending a lot of time with our clients trying to enhance those three legs of that stool with as you think about technology, people strategy, and work environment. I really appreciate the way that you're looking at all three aspects of that triangle. And I, I think the point is well taken from the standpoint of we really don't know exactly what this is going to look like because we have so many cross currents operating to your point that we might need more office space in order to create social distancing. At the same time, we might need less office space because people may be able to work more often from home. I, I think it's I think it's particularly interesting when you look back in history of pandemics, where you see once the pan once the danger is over, and perhaps that takes a couple of years, that uh, density actually has increased, at least historically, maybe not this time, but the density of human interaction has increased. Think back to the uh, the great flu pandemic of 1918. In the 1920s, uh, the city of New York increased by over a million people. Uh, and it's certainly the 1920s are characterized as a time of very dense, very close gathering of a lot of people in major cities. Um, how do you think it might be different this time than it was 100 years ago? That's a great question. I mean, the, the, cities, the cities were born in that era of the huge exodus from uh, an agrarian economy and a changing shift of our industrial economy at the time, if you if you think about that. What shifts are we going to learn this time? You know, our parents believed Detroit, Toledo, and Cleveland were the centers of the universe because of the industrial hubs that they were. And then as we were coming out of college, it was Boston, New York, and maybe to a lesser extent, D.C., as financial and regulatory uh, and political hubs. Um, but now this shift toward the power base and the wealth base to the Bay Area and the Pacific Northwest uh, could actually be a geographic shift as well as a determination of how much urbanism we want. The technology that allows us to work anywhere we want and still relate to 
national and international um, peers is is amazing. It reminds me of the cartoon The Jetsons we watched as children when, you know, Mr. Spacely of Spacely Sprockets would ask Mr. Jet, Jetson about work that he was doing. And that might be in the office or out of the office, but mostly it was in his home. And I think this is the Jetson era of figuring that out. And the urbanism associated with it could de-escalate, but it could escalate for cultural, culinary, educational reasons. We've not even talked about the impact of this pandemic on cultural America and educational America and how we and our children and our children's children are going to be learning in the future. Hats off to you for for uh, referencing the Jetsons. I think that's a first for a fire, um, and I think it's a, it's a an excellent reference, a, a great visual. Uh, and I think you're right. I think there's there is a shifting here. And when you think about this whole concept of us running circles every single day to travel, in some cases, an hour or two hours or three hours in order to get to a CBD um, is a, actually a relatively new phenomenon really is a post-war phenomenon to a great extent, uh, especially before the 20th century. Most people lived and worked in very close proximity. Uh, think a farmer in an agrarian society. Even think about factories as they developed in the first half of the 20th century. People lived close by. Um, I think there is an interesting kind of potential shift here where we may be turning away, given that most of the consumption that goes on is related to the fact that we've separated our lives between two physical locations oh. uh, in, in, most, in most cases. So think about what the skies over Los Angeles look like today uh, compared to three months ago. Oh, Gunner. The reality is it, it's completely different. You're so, it's so right. And isn't it instructive that we had this lecture from P. Allen Smith at our, at our winter meeting talking about some of these very issues related to our inner quest for rebalancing, resilience, sustainability, and this pandemic is allowing us to realize some of those. I love the Willie Nelson song, you know, turn off the TV and go plant a garden that he wrote with his son and his grandson to remind us that some of the things we're learning from this pandemic are taking us back to a simplicity that really touches our our souls and, our, and feeds us. Uh, uh, emotionally and, and um, yet we still get our work done. I, I don't know about you, but I'm working 10 to 12 hours a day sitting in front of a, um, a series of WebExes and, and Google Meets. And I'm getting, I'm probably getting a lot done more efficiently. I'm realizing the amount of time that I was having to spend moving around the world logistically. And I think we'll strike a new balance that does both. But appreciating a blue sky that we couldn't see before is a gift. I live in, in urban Chicago, and I don't think the air has ever been sweeter. Uh, it's really quite an experience. And I do think it's interesting that we're all questioning it. So most professionals, especially in consulting, in, in commercial real estate investing, uh, are operating on a global basis. And the assumption just is, it's Monday, time for me to go to the airport. Uh, and all of us, I think, have taken as a, a given that we're going to be in the air on a regular basis. And suddenly that's been interrupted. And I think a lot of us are, are going to have to think about it. And, and the reality may very well be that air travel is going to be significantly more expensive in a post-COVID world, given the, the, the economic damage uh, of this interruption to the entire travel industry. Um, 
I, I find it interesting whenever I look at, you, you made a reference to the cultural uh, change that is occurring here. Uh, can you point out a few things that you think from a cultural standpoint are going to significantly impact the built environment? Yes, I think there are several that we're beginning to see. I mean, telemedicine would be an obvious one. And revenue for the medical community is obviously way down because elective procedures and even regular office visits have been curtailed. But telemedicine is becoming a new industry right before our eyes. Uh, distance learning was already a trend in education, and it's had to accelerate as most schools closed, most all schools closed. And now we're even looking at online graduations. Uh, so what is the what is the future of the interrelationship between distance learning and physical space in the educational arena? That's 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 big, and that's a big segment of the population. As is healthcare. Um, I balance that with the reality in business that we are relational human beings. Most deals are still uh, done and celebrated over a meal or in person. Most strategy is done around a whiteboard and a conference table. Uh, we can have so much interaction on a video, but sometimes we still need to look, you know, look at one another eye to eye to get the best content on a whiteboard to agree on a strategy to move forward. That's going to need some work. And I think, you know, we see the the benefits and the limitations of that trying to do it uh, on a computer screen right now. And um and, I, you know, you wonder about the future of the handshake. You wonder about the future, as you pointed out, of air travel and, and train travel and um, conferences and meetings. And what does this mean for the future of hospitality? And can hospitality real estate be repurposed to be affordable housing or maybe even convalescent centers for the medical industry? There's a lot to think about there. I do think multifamily and industrial we're going to see uh, only continue, but that Multifamily may uh, change from its urbanist focus uh, back to an exurban environment where we create very livable, walkable spaces, but still have access to those cultural centers when you want them. There's an interesting kind of parallel that's been going on in the in the uh, in the in the healthcare industry uh, around specialization versus generalization. So uh, you go back 20 years, all healthcare was delivered through. Uh, more of a hospital environment, the most expensive real estate environment you can create uh, because it's designed for the worst of the worst uh, healthcare emergencies as well as the lightest. Um, over the last 20 years, uh, a lot of what's been happening is that we are separating out urgent care uh, and uh, hospital care from, uh, gee, I just hurt myself. Uh, I've twisted my ankle. I need a little help. Uh, where you now have healthcare centers in in strip malls all over the country. The same thing. I wonder if that's going to happen. And I'd love your opinion on this, Byron. Uh, in terms of office. So the assumption always is nine to five, uh, Monday through Friday, or or longer. I do everything in an office that's in a CBD versus mixing it up. There are times when I need to be with everybody. There are times when I'm heads down and just doing my work. There are times when I'm simply on the telephone that we might be using space differently. It doesn't mean we don't need it. it doesn't mean we don't have collaboration in person, but it's not a 40, 50, 60 hour a week always happening in the same place. What do you think? Well, we're four weeks into this planning for return to the office, and it's certainly not return to work because many of us are working ridiculous hours sitting in front of our computers. 
And what I'm hearing from most users is um, we do want to use our space differently. We want to create an environment where task-oriented work is allowed to be done from home. And when you come to the office, you're coming for um, strategy, socialization, team interaction, collaboration, planning, brainstorming, um, digital upskilling and teaching, which I think is huge. I think we're going to have a whole era of new focus on helping everyone get upskilled digitally. And those are, those are going to be the things that are done in collaborative spaces, which were previously office cubicles. And I think the role of the office cubicle will be well diminished in favor of a home office. And you know, it's, it's an interesting transfer of expense from the corporate income statement to our own homes to be the real estate where we do a lot of our work. But I think that's where we're headed. I, I don't disagree. And I think it, it's a pretty nuanced answer. Uh, I think a lot of people are looking for a binary what the world is going to be going forward, uh, you know, the end of CBD office or the, the, the explosion of suburban office or home office, we're, we're, we, the hu it's a human thing for us to think about these things in almost binary terms, on or off. Um, but actually, I, I suspect that the answer, based on what you're saying and based on what I'm hearing from a lot of AFIRE members, is far more nuanced and something that will evolve um, in the next, I'd say, two years as we're figuring out exactly uh, where this goes. But certainly, it's not going to look the same no matter what we do. No, and I think I think there's a win-win way to approach it. I mean, you just nailed that it, there is not a binary answer. It relates to how a company wants to function in the future, and we cannot deny our humanity, but we're also already on a path toward artificial intelligence taking many task-oriented jobs. So that trend will accelerate. And returning to the office has to be a personal decision as well as an employer mandate. And in so doing, we have to make sure that the environments are clean and safe and that there's testing and tracking and tracing and there's frequent sanitation, um, maybe even new materials on which our hard surfaces um, or from which our hard surfaces are made. And, and that's all evolving. So yeah, I'm watching our healthcare, hospitality and traditional real estate practices come together with some really good solutions. Uh, if you think about the pictures you've seen on TV of um, return to office in Japan and South Korea as examples, it seems like every picture has people in white hazmat suits spraying sanitation materials in front of the offices and ho hotels where people are going to be entering the doors to create this aura of cleanliness and safety. Um, what if that just becomes a normal routine where we see where we see a flight attendant you know, fumigating a plane every time someone, uh, right before everyone's about to board, uh, the idea of wearing masks is not comfortable or pretty, but that may be what we do for a while in order to uh, re-socialize and reintegrate with the work with the workplace. I, I definitely agree, Byron. You you've your group has also been doing a lot of work around uh, tracing and, and tracking as as a way to help us get back uh, to a, a fully thriving economy. Can you share some of the kind of uh, the the insights and some of the work that you're doing there on that? Sure. Well, as we watched Asia go back to work or back to the office, I keep saying that as we watched Asia go back to the office. Uh, we began to realize that without widespread testing, the tracking and tracing mechanism for um, following 
social distance, distancing protocol could be accomplished with an app or a wearable device that we debuted in Japan and Singapore and found great success. And so we launched it in the U.S. last week. It's called Check-In. And Check-In allows you to, um, by knowing your status, you're sharing your status with your device. And uh, it allows you to relate to other devices through Internet of Things technology. And if you're coming in contact with someone who has declared, been declared positive, it alerts you. And then there's no invasion of your um, privacy to your device, but a dashboard report is goes to your HR person that X person has been close to contact with Y person that's been identified as positive, and you have an opportunity to reach out to that person and let them know of that contact. Mm-hmm. And it allows us to also monitor social distancing and floor loads by capacity. If social distancing norms would say that X number of people should be considered maximum capacity on a floor, when you get off the elevator, your your device will tell you that that floor is full, just much like a parking lot at the airport where you look for the lights above the spaces. So that technology is a way from tracking and tracing from a good testing methodology. And I would say that we are still um, not as well prepared on the testing side. I think some new protocols for testing are being developed. But I think we'll get to a point where our status as positive, negative, safe, unsafe will give us better information for governing return to office protocols, quarantine protocols for those who get exposed, and hopefully minimize the next wave of exposure that we believe will be coming in October. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm, I'm glad you're working on that. And and I think it addresses one of those key uh, problems with this virus is that we it's not obvious that someone might be contagious the way that perhaps we're used to with with other pathogens. Uh, so perhaps your technology will help us be able to modify our own behaviors in a way to keep everyone a little safer as we as we embrace the next wave of this uh, in the months to come. Um, I just one last thought. I would love to to get your impression on this. Is that there's a lot of things we're learning. Uh, from this. And we are having to change and question just about every aspect of our lives, our work lives, our personal lives um, in this pandemic environment. What what lesson or what change do you hope most uh, will take place from this? What do you hope that we're all learning uh, that will make for a, a better post-COVID world? Oh, Gunnar, that's a, that's a bottle of wine question, but it's a rich one. Uh, uh, speaking from my personal experience, I've thoroughly enjoyed being able to safe shelter in a small town, my hometown in Arkansas, and reconnect with family and friends and um, at you know s- social distancing dinner dinners together and um, being able to be close to my eighty uh, four year old mother. And it's been terrific in that regard. And that return to simplicity has been a a beautiful thing, much like the blue sky analogy you used earlier. At the same time, I've missed my grandchildren terribly, and the distance from them has required more creative, you know, FaceTiming and communication. I look forward to seeing them in person. But I think the message there is, in times of crisis, we revert to the important and the simple. And uh, I'll, I'll refer to that Willie Nelson song, turn off the TV and go plant a garden. That's 
Wonderful. I think I, I, I now have to make an appointment with my with my uh, sound system to listen to that Willie Nelson song once again. Uh, so thank you, Byron, for uh, sharing some of your thoughts uh, on the A Fire podcast. Thank you, Gunnar. And before we close out this podcast, I wanted to make sure we took some time to thank our underwriters, Prologis, JLL, and Holland Partners, who make it possible for AFIRE to provide programming such as these podcasts. Thank you. This podcast is produced by AFIRE, the Association for International Real Estate Investors focused on commercial property in the United States. AFIRE is not engaged in providing tax, accounting, or legal advice through this podcast. None of the content is to be construed as a recommendation to buy or sell any asset. Some information included in this podcast may have been obtained from third-party sources considered to be reliable, though AFIRE is not responsible for guaranteeing the accuracy of third-party information. The opinions expressed in this podcast are those of its respective contributors and sources and do not necessarily reflect those of AFIRE. This is Gunnar Branson from the A-Fire podcast. Thank you for listening.